Hey there, Guardians. Welcome to episode 7 of the Destiny Lorecast, or for this week, the Iron Lorecast. This week, we're going to discuss the beginnings of the Iron Lords, the early city age, and the creation of the Iron Banner. With me tonight, we have Mythos Mike. Mike, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, man? Doing good. And uh, our guest is the Black Link from the Planet Destiny podcast. That's right. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to be here. Awesome. We're happy to have you. Uh, Handsome Dragon will not be with us tonight. He had a uh, family emergency. He might be listening to us, though. Just can't be talking. He's definitely listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> what a creep. <laughs> so, uh, before we get started talking about the Iron Lord uh, lore, uh, what did everyone think about the uh, past Iron Banner? First Iron Banner of Year 3, all the new loot systems and gear... You know, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I actually did not play Iron Banner this week, unfortunately. At all? I, really? I did not play a single match of Iron Banner. Oh, my God. That's surprising. Uh, okay, yeah. well, then, uh, Black Link, what about you? <laughs> uh, I was pleasantly surprised with it. I think a lot of people were concerned with uh, just how supremacy would work with Iron Banner as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, with the way the tournament rolls connection-wise and uh, matchmaking-wise in previous iterations but i had a lot of fun with it i uh made my way up to rank five on all three of my characters got a lot of loot an awful yeah. lot of loot so i wound up enjoying it enjoying it a lot yeah i also i also had a really good time i heard a lot of people did not like supremacy for it i actually really did enjoy it and i actually had less lag i was just playing before we started recording i was just playing some supremacy uh myself just regular supremacy I had less lag across my entire Iron Banner week of Supremacy than I did in the two or three matches I played just before this. Yeah, it wasn't bad in my experience. Uh, At least certainly not as bad as previous Iron Banners have been. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Minimal red bars. I mean, there were still red bars, but, you know, it wasn't nearly as bad as I've experienced in the past. So overall, pretty good experience. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a good Iron Banner that Mike missed out on, and we should all point and laugh at him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're you're too kind, Swan. Yeah, of course. And and really, the uh, the new system, the uh, the the four four or five weekly bounties that we get that are very easy to accomplish that give yeah. us the loot dile- directly. That it's a variety of loot. It's not just the two items that you have. It can be anything. And everyone's running around now with distant stars and clever dragons. And <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a positive change. They really streamlined the uh, the bounty system. Because before you had your weekly bounties, and it was stuff like get 2,500 points in a match. Uh, that one huge bounty where you had to do several things like reach rank four, get the top score. And yeah. that did hold a lot of people back from completing those weekly bounties and getting those rewards. So making them a lot easier, you know, just getting building up points by getting kills with weapons or getting wins or completing matches. It made it a lot easier for people. And the fact that it was granting you gear that was different than what was on sale. Fantastic idea by Mungie. And uh, I was really, really impressed and really happy with the revamps to both the weekly bounty system and the way they handle the rank five and uh, rank three rewards rather than just getting a package from uh, the vendor, which is Lady Everdeet this time around. Really cool with that. Yeah. Uh, they they kind of streamlined it into a quest. So you have your quest. Your quest tasks you with reaching rank one, then rank three, then rank five. And at rank three and five, you get some pretty darn good rewards. Yeah. Pretty darn good. 
Now, do you think we're going to get that quest again, the uh, the Dragon of Light quest? Is that going to be a monthly quest, sort of like how we have a weekly Plaguelander and uh, Artifact quest? Or do you think I, that was just the one-off? I think it's going to be repeatable. I think it's I think it's basically replaced the old Rank 3 and Rank 5 uh, Iron Banner faction <clears throat> package you used to get. And yeah, uh, I, I would say I much prefer the quest. I yeah, much prefer absolutely. That. Yeah, got some lore along with it too. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's actually something that uh, at the end of the podcast, I have a I have something that I want to sort of bring up. Something I noticed. Oh boy, a little, little bit interesting about uh, what Effordeet, where Effordeet stands on topics, uh, where Destiny Two might bring us, uh, who might become friends in the future. Oh boy, it's, here we go. Some things like that, but uh, let's get on to those. <laughs> Let's get on to the weekly highlight. Weekly highlights will vary with each episode. They can include community stories, like the one that we're getting today, uh, gear and weapon text, grimoire, and this general hype. Uh, this story was sent in to us uh, by one of our previous guests, uh, Guardian, and uh, I think it's a good story. I think it, I think it sort of fits. And uh, the Black Link, uh, you said you would like to read it? Yeah, absolutely. I'll yeah. get right on into this. Awesome. Floor is yours, sir. I don't want to. Why do I have to? Look, I'm afraid to open my eyes, but I know exactly what I will find. I've been here before. I know this place, yet this time, it feels different. My heart sinks as my fears are confirmed. The ground beneath me is black. I breathe in and push myself up. The field spread out before me, an odd mixture of warmth and darkness. The sun fractures between the mountains, showing me the way. The dirt stays with me as I rise to my feet. My hands are bare, but have turned black. This path is familiar, as it has become part of who I am. I know where I must go, and I know what I must do. The ground is soft beneath my feet. Well, at least something isn't harsh in this place. I can remember the ground, but it never felt so present. I begin to walk the path I knew, with hope building in me in each step. Maybe I could walk in peace this time. Maybe those dreams were tests, and this was the real path that I had passed. The path stretched for miles, silent yet warm. This place was never cold. It was just there. I continued forward, starting to worry about what might happen. Was this a trick? Was this the real test and I was just unaware? I wanted to stop, to leave the path, but, but I could not. I never could leave it. There it is, my first obstacle. A man stood before me, with bare hands like my own. He stood between me and my goal. I knew what I had to do. I had done it many times before. He approached me, but before he could strike, I grabbed him and crashed him into the dirt. I held him down until he stopped moving. This was the first obstacle, but nowhere near the last. This path would not be a path of peace, not this time. More came, rising out of the dirt. They all moved towards me, trying to prevent me from my goal. One by one, I destroyed them. I tore them apart. I knew each of them. I had seen them many times before. I remember the sound of breaking their bones, the tension in their muscles as I pulled them apart. 
They stood in my way, and I removed them from it. A woman stood before me, her face nurturing and kind. She brought me comfort, but I knew it was a trick. I knew who she was, but I knew she stood in my way. She carried a rifle, and she held it against her breast. Her eyes watched me. We both moved closer, and I reached for her rifle. The cold metal chilled me as I pulled it away, but it was, an, but it was not enough to slow me down. The rifle cracked as it met her bone. She fell to the ground and ceased to move. I moved forward, further down the path. I was getting closer. All those who stood in my way fell to me. They came with rifles, swords, axes, and weapons I did not understand. It didn't matter. They would all fall before me. Then I reached the end. I knew it was the end. I had been here before. More often than not, I never made it here, but sometimes I did. I knew this was the last test. My obstacle stood before me, holding a battle axe beside him. His eyes pierced me to the core. I had done this before, but this felt real. I wanted to stop and think. I wanted to know if this was another dream. But it didn't feel like another dream. Or did every other dream feel like this? Is this the pain I remember? Not the pain of killing, but the pain of not knowing if this was real or not. Each dream was the same, always trying to reach the tower. I wanted to stop myself, but I knew I couldn't. I knew that he was all that stood between me and that tower. I had to make it there. My rifle whipped towards him, landing two shots in his chest before he could even move. He fell to his knees and I crashed to mine. Why was I made this way? Is this my curse? For what I became? Was I not meant to find this life? Doomed to kill those I had grown to know? Cursed to forever murder those I care about in this field? For what? To reach a tower? They weren't my enemy, they were my friends. Yet I stand here and murder them again and again. My anger raged and I knew what would happen next. I didn't care if this was real or not. This was something I had to do. The dirt received my rifle and my bare hands grew stronger. I slammed my fist into my obstacle. He fell to the ground. My boot came down and I heard his spine crackle, his ribs shatter. I heard his heart break. I kicked him over onto his back. This had to be done. I had to finish this. I had to reach my goal. He was in my way and no one could stand in my way. He looked at me and my rage fell away from me. I felt helpless. I wanted to stop. I begged myself to stop, but again I knew I could not. I held the rifle in my hand once again. The weight seemed to pull me down. I placed the barrel on his temple and took a deep breath. His voice cracked as the last of his light faded. He spoke his last words to me. Young wolf, why? <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Some really powerful liked... stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, 
And I just want to take this moment again to um, advertise the fact that we are going to be having a spooky lore cast and we need some spooky destiny stories, stories Ooh. about as long as this I've written two so far. I'm going to try to write a third. I think uh, everybody like just submit them in, uh, send us, send them to our email at destiny at gmail.com. And if it's good, we're going to, we're going to read it on the show. Uh, that's going to come out on Halloween and be good. Me a good one. I'm excited. Yeah. But um, I think I think that uh, brings us right nicely into our uh, main topic. Uh, who who'd like to uh, read the first card here? Uh, the Dark Ages. Um. So for this week, as we already touched on the beginning of this episode, we're going to be discussing the history of both the Iron Lords and the early history of the city, because both of them are well basically hand in hand. So uh, I'm going to start off by reading the ghost fragment, The Dark Age. No one knew what had happened to the traveler. No one understood what had happened to the world, but they heard the whispered call. They came from the wildlands, gathering in secret enclaves, slipping through the howling ruins of shattered cities, hoping to find the coast, find a ship, pick up the trail of an impossible dream. From the deep black came the awoken, their eyes haunted. Exos marched in refugee columns, cloaked in moss and shattered memories. <laughs> and among them came the ghosts, beginning their search. It was a time of vast suffering and terrible evil, but there was one hope, the promise of a refuge beneath the Traveler. Very nice. So, nice, yeah. And yeah, there's some uh, dark times at the beginning, after the, uh, the immediate beginning after the collapse. I can only imagine uh, how people reacted to seeing an entirely new human race coming out as the Awoken. Mm-hmm. Just coming in saying, like, I'm just like you, only different, and I don't know why. Almost it's... touched a bit by the void. Yeah. Starlight, uh, Starlight was their mother, right? And uh, the darkness, Starlight their father. That's it. That's the lore behind them. Yeah. And even more so with the imagery of the Exos marching in unison in columns, which mm. harkens back to sort of the Exos' original purpose as uh, both machines of war and mm. an effort at human immortality, sort of the first effort at human immortality. Mm-hmm. Makes for a really, really dark scene. <laughs> the whole card just sums up that the this age of the city, well, not the city in this, at this point, but this age of... Well, Mankind, it's it's. When I I remember first reading this card after I first got Destiny, and it's I I wanted to know more about the Dark Age, and we we got a lot of information about it over uh, during this release, but it was it's haunting, which you know, for our next episode really uh, highlights that well. Hmm. Well, then the next card that we have here is the Dark Age. The first one was Ghost Fragment Dark Age, uh, just to specify it. The golden age burned bright, and the night that overtook us after the collapse was swift and total. The tally of suffering may be beyond comprehension, but the city lifted itself from the ash, gathering survivors. Guardians rose to to challenge alien hordes. The dark age swallowed so much of our history, but hope never died. Uh, Now, to talk about some of the suffering, uh, 
that may be beyond comprehension. This is talking about some of the settlements that existed out before the city uh, really grew to be what it was. Uh, the best one that we actually have is the, the city of Palamon, which yeah. was under the tyrannical control of Magistrate Loken. We can only imagine how many other uh, cities were under this power of one guy. And even then, it actually, we're learning a little bit more that sort of goes under the power of someone who owns the land uh, more, I don't want to call them guardians, but people of uh, of the power uh, who Poor are Lord. using it for their dark darker uh, desires they went by the term warlords um and um not to mention without the proper protection of the city's walls just anything that wanted to come and you know ransack your small little city it's gonna come in and do that uh a, another good example is amanda holiday and how she lost her mother on her uh travels i think she lost her mother uh, on her way to the city actually mm -hmm. yeah and, and exactly. her little pilgrimage there so it was it's, some hard times it's just one story and countless others it's um another, i like the, the the reference to the magistrates and the warlords that um zavala says himself through idle dialogue that Thousands. Of, uh, it was a time of a thousand kings who rose and fell, and it was yeah. complete chaos during the time of the Dark Age. Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. Like I actually uh, just completely glazed over that. So the the thousand kings were the warlords. You know, we got a lot of um, insight into this with uh, with the grimoire with the rise of iron, and they, indeed they mm -hmm. were warlords, not quite guardians, as this was the time before guardians, yeah. and of, of course not quite iron lords as uh, as they had yet to be created. Although mm -hmm. this is basically the story of how they came together, but I think the the grimoire refers to them as light bearers. Uh, those who were blessed mm -hmm. by the traveler's light and wielded the powers that guardians would come to know during the dark age, and yeah, some of them. Rather than take up arms in defense of uh, people against the enemies of Earth, the Fallen, and the, the darkness itself, they became warlords. They took over settlements. They terrorized mm -hmm. the people. They became kings in their own sort of states. And uh, we get a lot of nice insight into that in the, uh, the, the grimoire we've gotten since the Rise of Iron has dropped. Some really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. So so technically, a warlord is a guardian. It's just the title guardian... Uh, hasn't existed at that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Personally, yeah. I would not. I I, I can't remember it, exactly what Fellow Winters says. Uh, there's a, there's a card we'll I think we'll reference later on as well. But there's um there's a, a card where Fellow Winter uh, has confronted. I need to get the card in front of me. Excuse me for a second while I get he's, his he's, uh, I do believe it's Seton. He he uh, uh, that you might be referring to where he confronts Thank you. Fellow Warlord Seton. And um, I, I think what, that's what, how you pronounce his name. I, I always see it as a chitin. I don't Ch know it might be chitin. It might be. Yeah. But I do believe that's the uh, the card you're referring to there. Yeah. And um, Let me get in front of me here. I think yeah, that might be the first grimoire card where the term guardian is really sort of uh, coined. Because I think oh, that's what. No, that was in her. that was in uh, in Radagast when he decided to make them Iron Lords. He said, "We'll be whatever they need. We'll be guardians. We'll be there. We McDonald's go. workers, whatever the hell it was." He, he said, uh, "One of the, you'll you'll see the quote on the uh, his 
um, his artifact. Uh, he says, you can call me whatever, you, you can call me Iron whatever you want as long as we uh, actually manage to do some good. Oh, that's Gellion. Is that Gellion? Yeah. Yeah, that's Gellion. Are you sure? Pretty, I'm pretty confident. Okay, well, you know more about this than I do, so we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with the swine on this one. Now um, I gotta know. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Grimoire is serious like, businessman. Gellion is <laughs> my guy, like... Yeah, so long as we manage to actually do some good, you can call me whatever you want. Well, in that case, it's Gellion saying that, which I, for me, I always get Radagast and uh, Gellion confused, so and excuse Phil my... And Phil Winter, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> You're awful. Like, m- memory of Gellion is what I wear. That's my favorite artifact. Like, well, c- considering his story, I can understand that. Gellion yeah. is a very interesting character. Oh my god, are we going to read his card? I got dibs. Uh, All yours. Uh, I think we do later on, but let, let's, let's, go, let's go in order here with the, the, uh, with the notes. Though. I don't want to. <laughs> okay, uh, so then the birth of the Iron Lords. Uh, the Rise of Iron opening cinematic, and the years after the collapse, the world had no guardians. There were only Iron Lords. Uh, we sort of discovered that, where it's like the, the, the term guardians wasn't coined yet. There were the warlords who were the bad guys and the iron lords who were the good guys, both of the same power, just different moral standing. Uh, immortal, fearless, we fought to protect the survivors, survivors of a once great age. Our battle was about more than crawling back from the shadows. The iron lords would give it back its future. Lord Saladin. And then uh, our next actual card, uh, Lord Radagast, Black Link. Would you like to read that one? Absolutely. Radagast strode through the ashes. A cloud hung in his wake as he made his way to the top of the rise. Scars marred his armor, and his sidearm lay in the dust. He didn't need it now. The battle was over. This had been a mining outpost once. A few buildings and a transport. Nestled amid a small forest, it had been like a precious jewel set atop the dull crown of the wildlands. Now... There was almost nothing left. The warrior began to walk slowly down into the valley. He pulled his helm from his head and let it drop with a muted thud into the ash. Of the forest, only stumps remained. Of the small village, there was no trace. The buildings reduced to splinters. Here and there, you could see dull gray signs of inhabitation. At the bottom of the valley, Radagast came to the source of the ash, death, and violence. The light-bearers were laid out in a row, simple cloth covering their armored and robed forms. There were five of them, and they had been lined up beneath the melted girders of the settlement's great hall. These warlords had terrorized this part of the wilds for years. Hundreds had died at their hands. Radagast turned as his companions crossed the valley floor to join him. They had been policing the dead, finding a fitting inn for their settlers and miners of the outposts. Yolder came with a steady glide, energy and fire. Saladin, calm and slow, the weight of the dead on his shoulders. In formation behind them stepped Perun, her boots barely leaving a trace as she walked. They gathered before him. Never again, he intoned the words quietly. The others stood as battle-scarred statues. We ride against despots and warlords. We hide in these enclaves, hoping that other light-bearers will not find us. We fear each other. He shook his head, his fists clenched. 
and we should not. We are stronger together. We are mighty together. All we have to fear is... this. He pointed down at the dead warlords. Giving in, allowing the power of the light to blind us to what we truly are. It was Perun, of course, who asked the question. What are we? No judgment, no reproach. Still, Radagast could feel their doubt. He turned upwards, and his eyes settled on the massive span that supported the hall. His eyes shone as he turned back to his fellows. We will be what the people need us to be. We will be guardians. We will be protectors. We will hold the last of us together. His voice rang out across the still valley. Our days of hiding are ended. Say it now, each of you. Who among the other bearers do you trust? Who can be counted on to ride with us? Bredemart, said Yolder. Daedrus, said Perun. I trust only you, Radagast, said Saladin, and their leader scowled in response. What are you saying? What are we, Perun asked again. Radagast smiled. We will gather those you trust. We will not wait for this. He gestured around him to force our hand. We will ride against those that would use the light against our own. Humanity must have protectors, like the knights of old. Around them the dust swirled in the air, shafts of sunlight coalesced in long slanted bars as the sun dipped towards the horizon. Are you with me? Will you stand with me, as iron lords? In the waning light, their answers rang like thunder on the air. That's a that's a really good card. Yeah, it's certainly uh, sets the tone for the rest. You can almost like uh, as we're doing here, we can almost use it as a a, uh, a starting point for the rest of the story. Uh, we don't absolutely don't e- exactly. We don't exactly get a lot of information about like uh, you know Lord Felwinter was resurrected at the spot and actually came into contact originally, but um, but. We do get the very beginnings of the Iron Lords, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of this card for that reason. Now, uh, there actually are uh, two names here that I want to point out, uh, Bredemart and Daedrus. Uh, these two are the names uh, from the Year 2 weapons, not from the Year 1 weapons. Uh, there was a yes. lot of debate on are these Iron Lords or are these Iron Wolves. Uh, in these cards, we learn, and thanks to Bungie directly, we learn... Iron Lords, Iron Wolves are sort of an interchangeable uh, term. Iron Wolves seems to be more of an insult used against them, whereas Iron Lords is their official title. Uh, Bredemart has a new artifact uh, now, Bredemart's Pledge. I will not let you down. This is what I was born... This is what I was reborn to do, Lady Bredemart. And for some reason, they just use the same um, artifact as Seagoth's head for this but i i mean maybe it doesn't really matter in the end you know and um dangerous also had one uh mike if you want to read that one sure it's uh dangerous's fist and it it reads i heard the iron lord's call here i am later i actually haven't seen this one for myself um now ours dangerous the hunter this is a hunter artifact. It is? Okay. Yes. 
the uh, the Daedrus's fist uh, is actually the glove of nine moons, which was the artifact that we first got from King's Fall raid. King's Fall, yeah. And uh, something interesting about it, I. I find it like really hard. You have to be very careful on how deep you look into this. Um, <clears throat> but it is it is an, uh, a glove that has the same color scheme and design as Gallarhorn. It has the the um, bronze wolf on it. It's a very similar fashion. So it might uh, have something directly to do with that series of armor, the uh, the crest of Alpha Lupi. Uh, Hunter and Titan set, and the uh, what's the Warlock helmet? Oh, uh, like Beyond Nemesis, exactly. Uh, that that whole style just all fell together nicely. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, just wanted to cover all that. Mm-hmm. I actually did know that uh, Daedrus's fist was a new artifact. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, I got a few of those to drop in the Iron Banner. It's, uh, I mean, new artifacts are cool, but they don't they don't keep my radar up with uh, <laughs> yeah sixteen bars. Even it's with kind my of primary. hard to get rid of those. Yeah, yeah. This, those oh, new artifacts man. are pretty good. They're pretty good. This Jade Rabbit memory of Gellion. It's so nice. Uh, yeah, it's so, it's so nice. Can't disagree. Oh, that memory of, uh, I think it's memory of Radagast that gives you the extra sword ammo. Yeah, but, and it has to be a glitch. It only gives you extra sword ammo if you are picking it up with the sword in your hand. Yeah. And if you die, it takes it away. That's really weird. It's got to be a glitch. <laughs> it's I noticed that in a raid today. Mm. Making the... Uh, Making the artifact a little less useful than it should be at the moment. But, I mean, like it's it's just like uh, in year one. Remember that every cut scene you would lose two two rockets. For, I do for remember whatever that. reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Has man. it gotten much better? I guess. <laughs> the, the stuff the stuff the original player base has gone through like these 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 iron pups don't know what they don't know they don't know the struggles <laughs> there, there were dark times in the beginning of destiny we had some dark ages that's certainly true <laughs> all my uh all my legendary engrams turning into blues oh my. they'll they'll uh, never don't know remind me they'll never know <laughs> Now we've got three blues out of every set turning into legendaries. It's yeah, it's got the a lot. Blues are turning to exotics. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I've only had one so far. Pull it out of the postmaster, and it randomly decrypts immediately into an exotic. I've seen that happen a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know Caddy ninety or whatever her ne- Caddy was capable of that. She's a cryptarch. She's, she's, <laughs> she's gotten training. Cryptarch training. She got her. Uh, she got her degree online. <laughs> Just giving you exotics out of blues. Well, well Radagast. Yeah, Radagast is a. It's a pretty famous Iron Lord. Uh, he's got a lot of a lot of little items um, attributed to him. Uh, the first one that we have here is the memory of Radagast. Our lives are no longer our own. We have sworn them in service to the traveler and to humanity. Then the from year two, the Iron Camelot Mark, forged in remembrance of Radagast, he who was the first among his peers of the Iron Banner. And I believe it's the new fusion rifle 
uh, forged uh, the branded lord forged Correct. in honor of Radagast, he who saw the flames, a kingdom of iron waiting to be forged. We iron lords. Hmm. I don't, that's weird. Uh, we have a quote that's just out of context. Uh, we iron lords, we thought ourselves kings and queens of a bright new age. Lady, Oh, that's one of her, uh, her dialogue lines. One of her quotes, yeah. <laughs> Beta just threw it in there to, to completely to throw me off. He knew I'd be ready. I knew it. Beta. Yeah, he was just trying to screw me. Uh, <clears throat> and then Radagast's iron sash, uh, stand in the fire until there is nothing left to burn away. And lastly, an older artifact, uh, Radagast's blade. So long as the sword is whole, the iron banner could not be broken. And that, bra- that blade is broken. But we sort of actually know what happened now. <laughs> they, just, they just all died. You can't, can't really survive it when you're just dead. Yeah. When Yolder decides to... You know, blow your face up. I, I would expect that your sword wouldn't survive the blast either. Her helmet did. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, we got that out of there. Well, I, I suppose she wasn't wearing it at the time. I don't know where it was. Yeah. It was, it was put it on it the was ground. By the, by the uh, reactor. Ah, there we go. I, th- I think I that's what this. they said in the cutscene. Did you even listen? <laughs> Guess not. I was too busy wondering why Saladin didn't skate towards the door. <laughs> Gosh. Oh. He didn't he 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 didn't want to go in. He just wanted to be dramatic. Oh, I see. He is a pretty dramatic guy. <laughs> he really is. He's he's a, he's a drama queen. Well, My friends are dead. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Well, maybe in the next one. time Rasputin says, don't go in there in Russian, uh, don't go in there. <laughs> oh, but he couldn't understand him. We, we tried to communicate, but we could not understand. Yeah, it was, it was simply that we don't speak Russian anymore. We've, we've already actually covered that. It's, it's some legit lore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though we have Russian versions, Russian dubbed versions of uh, Destiny that are out there, so... Well, and our ghost can apparently communicate with Rasputin. Well, yep. you know, I guess now. <laughs> now, because we were like, okay, well, this guy keeps talking to us, and like people keep dying. Maybe we should look into it. <laughs> he can drop orbital death from above. Maybe we should look into seeing if we can understand what he says. Violent Velus, just got to figure out that protocol. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, pig. Okay, well, <laughs> but anyways, uh, Mike, why don't, why don't you read the next one? Why don't, why don't we get back on topic and you can <laughs> We'll try our best. Um, <laughs> so this this next section, Beta has uh, titled "Recruitment to the Iron Banner." Uh, specifically, we're going to be starting off with Lord Fellwinter and uh, how his relationship formed with the um, the Iron Lords and the Iron Banner. Um, a key note that Beta has made here is that um, the Iron Lords were referred to as Iron Lords, but in later grimoire, it refers to them as Lords of the Iron Banner. Uh, he just put it there because it's uh, there's there's themes of kingdoms and armies, and in this sense, it, uh, it makes sense to refer to it as the standard of a monarch or an army or a knight or even an idea used to rally public opinion. Um, it, it, he says it's important to think that in some cases it's uh, also the sense that's used in later cards. Uh, later, of course, we have the Iron Banner event, which has another meaning. 
So the first card I'm going to uh, read here is one of the entries, the very first entry from our dearly beloved old grandma archivist, uh, Tyra Karn. Long before the last of the Iron Lords descended into the Plaguelands, this peak was the domain of one of their own, Lord Fellowinter. His maps and outposts show the risen Exo roamed free from the Aral Seas to an eastern border known as Chitin's Ridge. Uh, open Chitin 01A, Chitin's Ridge 01A, um, before taking the oath. There is no evidence of human enclaves or encampments within this area, nor survivors within the Cosmodrome walls, but extensive one-way one radio recordings with an unknown entity survive. Open Fellwinter 9C, open Rasputin 62G, scan for possible links. A chance meeting with Lord Timur in the Mothyards led to Timur's first report on the promises of Siva. Fellwinter's conscription into the ranks and the raising of the Iron Temple commenced shortly thereafter. Bellwinter was, uh, we'll get, we'll get onto this again, but, um, as I read, as I read the next card here, Fellwinter was one of the more, um, I, I can almost attribute his personality almost like to Toland, he, very secretive, very, uh, I, ha I'm very important and I have important secrets, but I, uh, he's, he's a very, he's, he's probably my favorite Iron Lord just because of how mysterious he is and the, just his personality in general, which well, we'll get into here. Go ahead. Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't always an Iron Lord though. That's not that's, at first. Uh, no, that's the thing. He, right. he wasn't always a good guy. He, he, he was a bad guy. And, uh, I, I would actually even say he might've been a fan of Nickelback. Uh, so why don't, <laughs> why don't you read this next card? Uh, somebody. <laughs> All right. Um, the next the next card here is Lord Fellwinter. It's his um, it's his fragment that you get once you attune his um, his artifact. Deep inside a clandestine stronghold sat the dark horse Fellwinter and Chitin, warlord of the thirty second sector of old Russia. A polished obsidian table rested heavily between them. Uh, let's see if I can do a warlord voice here. Didn't think you'd have the courage to come back here," said the warlord. Situational awareness, not courage. I go where I can to do the most good. Thank you for seeing me. Bellamitra's voice sounded as hollow as his helmet. Chitin wanted to knock it clean off the Lord Iron Lord's bony shoulders. He could do it with a single punch. As I recall, you used to have a throne on that light forsaken peak till you joined up with the wolves. You're the only warlord I know who held an entire mountain. Bellwinter Peak. No one ever calls it that. The Iron Lords do, though they did ask me to take that throne down. Chitin's laugh shook the room. How's losing territory oh, ever a good thing for a warlord? Bellwinter folded his hands atop the table. Underneath it, Chitin made two fists, a crescent of light flickering between them. Join us and find out, said the Iron Lord. Torn, turn your sector over to us. You can still patrol it, of course. Chitin's voice lowered. Of course, you'll know I you know you know I'll refuse. Excuse me. Then we'll put you down and take your territory by force, over and over again if we have to. Then we'll cut off there and continue with the card a little bit later on. I believe, unless I got that wrong. I think I saw it. I think it, I think uh, he just cut it there because that was really what's important. Because uh, mm -hmm. he he um, says it in a comment. Uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, it, Good. Oh, I was letting you. I had something in my throat. <laughs> well, I, 
he does make it a random list there. Hey, there's more to that card. Um, he like he says, um, we know we're going to be doing specific episodes highlighting specific Iron Lords in the future. Uh, this is just to be meant to be an overarching history episode, just to give you a basic background of the Iron Lords themselves, not the actual individual members. Um, he does threaten to uh, take over uh, Chitin's reign by force, and uh, it, it's it, it's important to note that there wasn't just volunteers. There weren't just uh, individuals like um, there weren't just individuals like Yolder, Saladin, Felwinter that joined the Iron Banner by volunteering. They um, there are also, of course. Uh, other people that were nominated, such as Bradamart and Daedrus. But then there were the forced individuals. Uh, to the warlords, the Iron Lords gave an ultimatum. Join us or be forced out. It's uh, the attempted recruitment of the warlords, like you see Fel Winter doing in this card to Chitin. It was more of a courtesy than anything to simply see if they would accept a higher cause than just reigning over their own territory. But I think it's safe to say that a lot of them weren't exactly up for that. Mm. I, I feel like uh, none of the warlords would actually have taken up that uh, that offer. I feel like Felwinter was like one of the few who was looking at it like, okay, well, the Iron Lords are going to change the world. Like that, we are not going to beat them. So it's better to to join them now before they take everything of mine. Mm-hmm. And. Um, he was just going to Kitan as a friend, trying to say, like, just, come on, dude, come on. They're going well. to they're they're beat you. <laughs> At that but, point, uh, you know, the Iron Lords, uh, they'd already recruited some people in. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they could, they, would, they could have taken Kitan's uh, areas by force, as they threatened to do. Yeah, fairies. And, I mean, like, I guess we'll find out what happens at another episode. We're talking about Felwinter. <laughs> yep. We'll talk about everybody, I'm sure of iron lords at a time but yeah two warlocks yep hunters then titans and, uh, moving on mm-hmm. sorry go ahead the uh the last one here is uh, I, uh card iron temple except from the iron declaration written by lord Salimar. and wherever we iron lords stake a claim worthy of battle let us immortalize our victory with a temple a beacon for all who walk the waste to follow and let the truths of that battle live only within its crypts. Keep sacred by the, an everla- kept sacred by an everlasting oath worthy of our light and sacrifice, so that our peace will never need know the horrors it faced, sealed in secrecy until the light dims to darkness forevermore. Hmm. And, um... Uh, Beta, beta comments on it. Uh, the description here sound like references to the fight with Siva, but the Iron Temple was built before. There were likely dozens of uh, of them based on descriptions in this card. Uh, and <clears throat> I know we're not going to get into the Iron Lords uh, specifically, and in this case, Silomar's obsession with building Iron Temples. Uh, and I, I do say temples... <laughs> Because this isn't there. There are uh, uh, inferences, I suppose, of there being more than just this one Iron Temple. Uh, hanging out with uh, the new NPC Shiro Four, he actually says, "I wonder how many more temples like this there are." 
and the Iron Lords had hundreds of Iron Lords who stretched all across the world. Yes. They have to have temples everywhere. <laughs> Especially if they built them upon every single battleground mm-hmm. that they uh, they found themselves victorious on. We know that uh, before their great fall, the Iron Lords, exactly, they had hundreds of members, hundreds yeah. of light bearers. So I'd imagine there's probably quite a few iron temples all over the globe. And then uh, the next card is uh, Lady Perun. Uh, Black, would you like to read this? Absolutely. Perun stood at the top of a sloping, narrow path cut into a steep plateau. It was not yet dawn, and the valley below her was foggy and dark. Maybe he's not coming. This from a thin woman at Perun's side, the mayor of, of the crumbling silvery ruins on the plateau beneath them, or behind them, rather. We didn't want you wolves here. Lord Seagoth knows that. In answer, Perun pointed into the valley. A red light had appeared. The mayor let out a wail. Seagoth will kill us all, or worse, he'll leave us to the fallen. Perun shook her head. Not gonna happen. The mayor looked at Perun and the two titans standing on her other side. Then she turned and ran back into the village. The red lights were larger. Already the faint, choppy whine of repaired pikes filled their ears. Nine of them, said Saladin. Nine, nine hundred. They still got to come up the pass three at a time. She cracked her knuckles. Easy pickings. Radagast looked at her. The north and south roads are undefended. If they change course, they won't. How do you know? It's about making people afraid. Of Seagoth and of us. Seeing his goons coming a ways off, knowing he's coming for blood, the dread is part of the punishment. Anyway, he doesn't expect we'll still be here. So he takes the west road, because it's the most visible and the most direct. Radagast frowned. Then it's time to show Seagoth that his tyranny will end. Not just Seagoth, said Perun. She jerked a thumb towards the ruins behind her. Watchful faces poked out of windows around tar- and around tarps. We gotta show them. The three of them picked up large, rough-hewn metal shields. Behind their shields, each held a worn rifle, wrapped with cloth and chain mail. The pike riders' faces were now visible through the early morning gloom. A man in a long red robes pulled his pike ahead as they screeched to a halt. Well, well, said Seagoth. The Iron Wolves. Cease your insults, Saladin barked. Perun shot him a surprised look. That's an insult? I kind of like wolves. Be gone, wolves, Seagoth sneered. These people are mine. Wrong, Radagast retorted. You abuse the powers the Traveler has entrusted us. Seagoth smiled and shrugged. Shields up, Perun shouted. A hail of bullets slammed into their shields. Perun, Radagast, and Saladin slid backwards on the dusty path but they dug in their heels, and their shields held. Return fire! Trapped in the narrow path, Seagoth and his warriors fell one by one. Perun, Radagast, and Saladin reloaded, and then Seagoth was up again, his his glowing ghost at his shoulder. He fired wildly, and a bullet struck Radagast in the head. Got him, Perun shouted as Radagast collapsed. Covering you, Saladin returned. Perun, Radagast, and Saladin died many more times than any one of Seagoth's men. But any time one of them fell, another would cover them until they staggered to their feet again. The shield wall held, 
the three gave no ground. Finally, his robe singed and ragged, Seagoth signaled a retreat. Iron wolves! He shouted as his warriors scattered, and a cheer went up from the people in the silver ruins. I will slaughter everyone who has ever sheltered you! In answer, Perun shot him and er, Perun shot him again. That's pretty badass. <laughs> <I gotta say. laughs> That's probably my, one of my favorite of the uh, the newest grimoire cards. Just the story of Seagoth, mm-hmm. and uh, and why exactly his head has been an artifact for a little while now. Well, now we know. Now we know he was one of the warlords. So there's there's a little bit to unpack in this card, obviously. So I, uh, do we just want to move down the line? I guess. Well, I mean, <clears throat> what what do you have um, to say? If you have something important. Um, well, it's... <laughs> um, Beta just wanted to make a note that this is the... Uh, obviously, we uh, there was the two ways that people would join, or uh, guardians or people of the light, whatever you want to call them, would join um, the Iron Lords, either through recruitment or uh, taking their lands by force. And I think this is... Uh, a good example of how the other way, other way around would go. Mm. Um, let me see if I can find the uh, specific part here. Um, so the first line here, uh, maybe he's not coming. This from a woman at Perun's side, the mayor of the crumbling silver ruins. Um, the mayor, it, BC makes a note here. The mayor is terrified of the warlord Seagoth. Not all of Earth's settlements were open to Iron Lord intervention. With this reference to the wolves here and us being referred to as Young Wolf, I believe it's simply another term for the Iron Ladies or Lord. They're li- uh, likely applied when in groups or when they're hunting. Um, we, you'll see later on that Seagoth uses the wolf title as almost something of a um, of an insult. Ins- an insult for yeah. some reason, even though I, I have to agree with Perun. I do, I do like... <laughs> yeah. That's I, actually something you made me just realize. Saladin is the one who says, cease your insults, and then he calls us young wolf. I guess he took to the name. Yeah. That, or he really doesn't like us after all. <laughs> <laughs> it might be that, too. Nah, these little shits. Here you go, young wolf. Based on, based on his history, uh, we, we know Saladin likes order and people taking orders, and our guardian tends to have a habit of breaking orders and breaking rank all the time. We 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 listen to orders this time around. We <laughs> we did the we did the job. We did the thing. Yeah, yeah. we we went to the place. <laughs> did the thing. We went to the place and did the thing. <laughs> Blew everything up in the process. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving down the car just a little bit. Um, the uh, it, another important thing it says the mayor let out a wail. Seagoth would kill us all, or worse, he'll leave us to the fallen. It, it's important to note that the fallen were a huge part of the Dark Ages. Um, during this time, the Vex were more mainly focused on other planets besides Earth. Pretty much all of the other planets besides Earth, they have a presence on, um, at least as of right now. Um, the Hive hadn't quite seeded the Earth as of this as of this point. Uh, and the Cabal are nowhere to be found at, at this time. So the Fallen were were and are humanity's oldest enemy. Um, so it's at this time, some villages were likely to be forced into the Warlord's hands, but um, some others might have voluntarily, voluntarily subjugated themselves um, under the Warlord's protection. 
just in hopes of getting away from the fallen because the fallen to these uh to these people that aren't considered themselves guardians uh are the most um omnipresent threat during this time so mm-hmm. even the tyranny of some of these warlords can be seen as preferable than suffering at the hands of the Ixni. It almost became sort of an old-school classic protection racket. These warlords would mm-hmm. come in and say, you will serve us and we will keep you protected from those monsters, the Fallen, the Elixni, mm-hmm. who were raiding and killing all over the place on, uh, on Earth at this time. They were humanity's greatest threat at the time. So you, you can almost see how some, uh, some communities of normal, everyday humans would, would prefer to have a warlord, or rather they think they would prefer to have a warlord there. Yeah. Better the devil you know than the one you don't, right? Exactly. Like, uh, <clears throat> next time you go and run uh, Devil's Lair, or uh, pretty, pretty much just any, I think, uh, thing against the Fallen, look around, you'll see some human skulls yeah. and skeletons strung up. Uh, I'm not saying that it's not any Guardians mixed in, but they didn't kill that many guardians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all, there's, there's never been that many. Yeah, those are a lot of just normal humans that they just came in and took. Just a perfect example, uh, Shin Malfer's parents, they were taken mm-hmm. by the Fallen. Yep. And so, uh, I just want to say, because, you know, Fallen culture, uh, it just sort of seems, um, it's sort of like, um, like, what's the word? Like, they're making, they're, a drag will capture a human and kill them and then present the dead human to their archon, to their kill, and be like, hey, look what I did. I'm strong. I killed this human in your name to show that we, the House of Devils, are ruthless. Like, that's, that's sort yeah. of how uh, their culture works. So, the, it, it's not just that, hey, there's a monster out in the woods and we can just go, okay, we won't go out in the woods. It's, hey, the monsters are lining up to kill you, and mm-hmm. you need us to protect you. So yep. it, was, it, was a, it was very uh, lucrative business. <laughs> For these warlords, mostly. Yeah. It's, um... Fallen... Uh, this, the cards like these are the problem, is the problem why... Excuse me. Is the reason why I have a problem with some individuals uh, thinking after House of Wolves that Barracks will somehow bring all the houses together, and then the Fallen will ally with the city. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the more out there <clears throat> theories I've heard. But the Fallen have been have killed countless, countless individuals that um, were shielded by the Traveler, and it's it, it's hard to let that type of old grudge go. It's- Driven humanity to near extinction. I mean, this is hundreds of years of aggression and invasion, really. Uh, the Fallen, you know, themselves, I know this isn't a Fallen-themed uh, episode right now, but they really have an interesting story uh, coming from their own sort of golden age and the whirlwind and their travels to uh, to kind of keep up with the Traveler and get it back and how they found the Earth. But, yeah, that's hundreds of years of aggression and death and war. It's going to be kind of hard to just bury the hatchet and say, okay, the Fallen are good guys with us now because yep. Variks is cool. <laughs> of course, if you ask Mylan, Varix isn't exactly. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that in a future episode. I'm just, I'm sure. just, I'm just, I just want to say Mylan admitted that I was right and that he was wrong. <laughs> get to this another episode. Yeah, I'm just saying because <laughs> we 
And I'm sorry, but you opened the can of worms. Varix is uh, cool enough. He could be like, hey, cool. and everyone he's would cool. forget it. Everyone would forget hundreds of years of war. Hey, or hey. <laughs> That's how he would say it. But next card to get back next on track. Uh, Lady, and I don't care, Jolder. Uh, <laughs> at the west end of a deep valley stands a castle. Its crumbling stone walls patched with glossy sheets of metal and glass. The castle entrance is wrought iron portic- particulous? Portcullis. Portcullis? Portcullis. There's no eh. There's no portcullis. Portcullis flanked by two motion-sensing turrets in the valley below. Just out of the turrets range rests a gold and gray transport ship. The symbol of the Iron Lords shines with an otherworldly glow on its folded wings. The Iron Lords have come to challenge Warlord Rience. Two sparrows skim lightly over the grass as they head toward the ship. <clears throat> the castle at their backs. Perun and Radagast dismount. They nod to each other wordlessly and part. Perun walked up the ship's gangplank and made straight to Yolder's room. She hit the door controls and stepped inside. I'm almost ready, Yolder said, before Perun could speak. Yolder stood next to a chest full of weapons, armor, and other gear. Now, uh, we're cutting this card off... Uh, here because its importance is just this uh they were all highly skilled at war battle axes swords and more uh the iron battle axe is likely one of the weapons in there uh, it's a relic from the days of the iron lords the iron battle axe channels energy from an external source through a series of capacitors embedded in the blade these capacitors enhance solar light allowing the user to trigger focus blasts at their energy enemies uh this is not light as in solar. This isn't solar light as in solar panels. It's solar light as in the ability, this otherworldly ability that only guardians have. It's not a real world thing just because it's a similar word. I just, I just want to make that yeah. clear. Yeah, it's, it's important to make the distinction that there, uh, I, I can't remember where it describes it in, but there's three different types of light it's solar, arc, and void, um, and those make up the, so to speak, elements of. Mm. Well, they're all they're all. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They're all forms of energy, and it's just we are the, I suppose, conduits uh, would be a good term for for that energy. So. Um, the Iron Lords have been just going all around the world trying to um, level the playing field of warlords and civilians and really encourage uh, safety. And this really uh, gave a hope for a city. And the next card, uh, Lord Silimar, really uh, cements that. Yeah, so... Uh... Lord Silimar, the Lord Architect, and probably my favorite line in this entire uh, uh, this entire <laughs> release of Grimoire. Lord Silimar died for his pile of stones. <laughs> yeah, several times. <laughs> <laughs> several times, more than several times, countless times. So this card, I, I um, I'll just summarize the first part. It just says he died uh, several times as um, the fallen or other 
enemies tried to take his tower and eventually destroyed his tower, he would rebuild it, and then they'd destroy it again, and he would die in the process. And so it goes on and says, Once during a fallen siege, while the battlements crumbled beneath his feet, he leapt from its parapet, that he, so that he might know the structure more fully, might feel the weight of the sky pressing down on that, all that stone and steel. The better to raise its next incarnation, he said to those allies who later questioned his madness. As the fallen charged, Silomar refused to abandon what he would built, though others retreated to a stronger position. Go, he told them. Save yourselves. I'll slow them down. The enemy came in overwhelming force, a breaking wave of blades and firepower and death. Atop the structure's central bulwark, Lord Silomar held his ground. Take it if you can, you... He shouted at the swarming enemy. There's a bad word in there. He leapt upon the great edifice and there put up a final stand as the enemy engulfed him. He died with his dagger in the guts of an archon while the great structure shook with explosions and rained stones down upon the land. Later that night, when Lord Silomar rose again from the ashes, he found Lord Saladin already there and waiting, standing near the place where he'd made his final stand. This structure is doomed, Saladin said in the darkness. You must know this. Not doomed, Silomar said. Fated, perhaps. Doomed is too strong a word. Use whatever word you like, but there's another word that applies to this place. Indefensible. And yet, after each defeat, you rebuild. I seek only to build it more perfectly. Lord Saladin shook his head. Only a fool would raise the same structure again and again and again. These stones are like us, Lord Silomar said. Don't you see? Silomar rose to his feet. He walked among the smoking ruins, the shattered blocks. He glanced down at the piled corpses of dead enemies, the charred remains of a once great citadel now reduced to scattered rubble. They knock us down, you and me, he continued. But time and again we rise, like this place. Eleven times they've destroyed what you've built. Why, Saladin said, why rebuild it? Why we, excuse me, I can't talk this evening. Why rebuild what we will be knocked down on it? Because one time they won't be able to, and when that day comes, when this perfect, indefensible structure stays standing, then we'll know. We'll know what? Lord Sidomar looked at his old friend. Then he turned and strode the broken stones and looked out over the ruins that spread away into the distance. Then we'll know it's safe to build our city to the sky. Um... Beta makes a note here. It's a uh, subtle juxtaposition against the vision of our possible future, which um, this is from a, uh, the mystery, the Vault of Glass card, number three. Um, this describes every single ship, from the largest cruiser to the smallest personal craft, carried shards of stones, remnants of the city and the tower, banners too, tattered and worn from entering and leaving warp. This is uh, um, one of the futures that uh, we can. Someone else described this. I'm 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 drawing a blank here. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what you're asking. Uh, it's it's. Um, it was one of the futures that was seen uh, in a in a vision of sorts. I know the card you're you're referring to. I'm trying to remember the the full context of it because it was that it was the the uh, it was the future where they saw ships leaving the planet. And exploring the cosmos, and then another vision of the Elixni in their own golden age. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's right. Well, um, the Vault of Glass. I don't. I don't. I just don't know what your question was. Uh, it's. Ah. It, 
<laughs> just trying to set the frame of that card a little bit. It's just oh, a. Um, it's sorry. it's it's um, it's a possible future. And uh, personally, since since we had this moment to talk about it, uh, the three the three Vault of Glass cards. The first one showed the Elixir, and it was the past. It was the far past because yes. they had the Traveler in the sky, and it wasn't broken, so it could before not before the have, whirlwind. Yeah, it could not have been post collapse. It had to be some point way before. Uh, the second card was an Exo War, I believe, against the Vex. Uh, the ghost is picked up by an exo and worn on its belt for a little while, then it breaks free and disappears again. And then the third card is all the ships of the city leaving into deep space, and there's banners of Dead Orbit and Future Warcle and New Monarchy and the Vanguard, and even banners that ha- haven't been hung in the city as of yet. So it's heavily implying this is a future event. And mm-hmm. two of the three events have already happened. And for Bungie to essentially give us this event, I am the type of person where you can't give us this event and then take the event away. You can't just say, and it never happened because <laughs> we don't want that. It's, it's <clears throat> shitty writing like that that made me hate Doctor Who. Because the doctor should have died at Matt's <laughs> at Matt Smith. It should I, I, not, I Peter Capaldi <laughs> should not exist. He was supposed to fucking die. And like I'm I'm abusing podcast privileges right here because fuck the rest of that series. Okay, we're <laughs> we're gonna move on now. Uh, Next card, <laughs> Lord. Just want to wrap up. Lord Silamar um, can almost be seen. I think he can be seen as the primary. Not. Not necessarily the architect, like the the planner of the city, but the architect of gaining a city under the traveler, gaining a place where the countless refugees can come and live in relative safety um, without as much of a worry of the fallen and the other dangers of the wild. Um, so Silamar was instrumental in finding um, a way to achieve that vision. Certainly, certainly the foundation of it. Exactly, uh, it didn't. It helped, certainly helped matters that I, I, we believe that he's a uh, an architect of some sort, and he might have he he might have been the primary planner of the city. But until we actually get to see it, who 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 actually knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, uh, the next card, the City Age, and uh, I was just looking at time. We do need to pick up the pace. Uh, yeah. When did the City Age begin? Perhaps when the bulk of the world's survivors lived beneath the Traveler rather than in the wilderness, or when the Titans raised the first wall, or at six fronts when the city faced its first coordinated overwhelming attack and repelled it decisively. The city did not rise without struggle. Warlords and wilderness fiefdoms clung to power. Starvation, disease, and anarchy menaced. But the guardians held the frontier, and the children of the Golden Age kept the fire burning through the long climb back. Legends walk through history. The Iron Lords, Saint-14's crusade against the Fallen, the Mask of the Speaker, the Great Ahamkara Hunt, Tolan's Madness, the Terrible Faction Wars, and the horrifying, disastrous effort to retake the moon. As the city learned to walk again, it found the world overrun by alien menace. 
It faced disaster and defeat, even in recent years as Guardians begin to venture back to the moon and the inner planets. The city's territory has withdrawn, our outer sections abandoned and converted into fortifications in the wake of the Battle of Twilight Gap. But the city's ship rates and foundries hum with energy. The probability kilns and work cooperatives produce new wonders. The darkness is rising <clears throat> The darkness is rising again, but so is the light. So, um the city is is being born now. And uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're we're um, in these these very early days of the city. Um, the the Iron Lords really deserve a lot of the credit for getting us to a comfortable point where we can actually do this. As as the card says, uh, when did the city age begin? Was it when everybody uh, started gathering under the Traveler? And you can't have that. You can't. You couldn't have had that if the Iron Lords weren't coming through and saying the Warlords are no longer empowered. The Warlords are not keeping you in these huddled masses so that they can feel powerful. But instead, saying, "Hey, everybody, come. You're free. Like, get out of those places. We're gonna band together and be strong instead of be separate and be weak." <clears throat> and. uh it also mentions how it might have been at the first, uh, the first real battle, the Battle of Six Fronts, uh, <coughs> and uh, also the terrible faction wars, which uh, mm-hmm. we get a glimpse at both of these in the the next card, uh, Rezo before these walls. Uh, uh, Black, would you like to read that one? Absolutely. Awesome. This was before the city was the city. This is before the walls. Still in the shadow of the fragile giant above, but before. Salvation seekers came. Survivors. Weary remnants of a people on the brink. These were the days before reason took hold. Before study was merged with belief. The giant was looked to as one would a god. Maybe it still is. Factions grew from the huddled masses, like minds coming together to provide support. Comfort. Over time, these loyalties demanded loyalty. Differences that used to inform, viewpoints that when joined granted a larger understanding of the whole, became points of conflict. The sanctuary became divided. The shadow of light grew darker. This, humanity's last oasis, slowly fading to a mirage. Great, powerful men and women, the Risen, stood at the faction's side. Protection, enforcers, misused possibility. Misery crept into this false paradise. Yet hope lingered. Seeing the cracks in the society born beneath the giant's fractured shell, some among the Risen challenged the dissolution of all that could be. They would no longer serve as instruments of oppression. They would be more. Thus began an unnecessary war made necessary by greed, ambition, fear. And, in the chaos of this struggle, came the scavengers, aliens with appetites, a common enemy. In the end... The scavengers were repelled and the factions fell, their grip broken, though their beliefs remained. This was the earliest days of the Guardians, when might found, when might found purpose. Prosperity was in reach. Rezel had been a champion of these wars, a leader. Against the alien pirates, he had been more. 
If the giant wasn't a god, well, then maybe Rezel was. As the first walls formed, built of hard work and sacrifice, Rezel and the Guardian stood against the alien plunderers time and again. More survivors arrived. More warriors. The Guardian's rank swelled. The city grew. So it's important to note with this card that um, it wasn't just the Iron Lords out there trying to save the world from these warlords. There were other groups of Guardians, such as Rezal Azir's Risen, um, that were trying to form the city at this time. And while I do think that Rezal may have had some association with the Iron Lords, he war worked with people um, that he associated with in the Risen. But there were some, I, I do think there was some sort of exchange between the Iron Lords and the Risen at this time. Yeah, sort of like Warlords were the um, the more evil force, where Iron Lords are the more good force, and Risen are the more neutral force. Exactly. <clears throat> So, uh, just keeping things moving, uh, the Ghost Fragment Reef 2. Uh, Mike, you want to read that one? Sure. So this is the wall building. the More than just building the walls, but forming the state of the city that we find ourselves in today. We should have stayed in the Reef. Says there's one city left. A city beneath the Traveler. At least we're not in the Reef. The voices broke over Mara like a wave, and for a moment she spun in the currents. Now, in the flames, shapes began to form. A crashed ship, a blue-skinned hand clasping a brown one, a half-built wall high above the treetops. You betrayed us for Earth? Maya thought. It is I, your queen. I will grant you one chance to return, or you will not be welcomed back. And uh, BC wants to note with the line, you betrayed us for Earth. Remember the ghost fragment, the Dark Age card. From the deep black came the Awoken, their eyes haunted. Uh, it's, it, he's basically saying the Queen saw betrayal, but to the Awoken gathering in the reef, they saw hope in the city. Okay, now we, gotta, we, we really got to stop doing this, but I'm too excited to not do this. Uh, so, <laughs> this card is showing the beginning of the city now, uh, which puts it... Uh, like the reef is obviously known, awoken are are um like you know going to the city and stuff. Uh, a city beneath the traveler. The reef is already known. The city beneath the traveler, and um, <clears throat> it's got a blue skinned hand clasping a brown one. A half built high wall. A half built wall high above the treetop. So the the city isn't even finished being built. The wall isn't even finished being built yet. You know. Yeah, but it represented a a symbol of hope. It represented safety. Yeah, for those awoken just, who did flee the earth. I'm just, I'm just trying to give it like a a, a timeline of events. Mm -hmm. uh, the sit the the wall isn't built yet, and you Not have yet. an awoken who is clasping the hand of someone who knows about the awoken. And yes. if you if you go to the reef and you hang out with some of the people there, they do talk about uh two people. And uh, one is Cade, and they say how he likes to drink a lot. And another is <laughs> yep. Ikora, and they call her a, a bioterrorist, I think, or an eco-terrorist, something like that. Something terrorist. Something like that, yeah. And I, They don't like her. No, they don't like her. <laughs> and I, I can't help but feel this card is Zavala leaving the reef to join the city. 
Really? You might be correct about that. That, wow. that, that might be that might be him leaving the reef. Yeah. And this act of uh, of what Queen Mara thought was betrayal going to Earth to help build the city to join what would become the Vanguard. Yep. That that's that's just how I see it. I, uh, that'd be very interesting. Yeah, that could be it. Wow. I had never considered that. Yeah. Huh. Guess we'll learn more. So um uh, it's gotta gotta go through this, so I'll read the next uh few there. Uh a mark of the wall. We have one city, one final chance. There are no forgivable errors. Be ceaseless in your vigilance. Uh then uh Beta comments on this uh <clears throat> There is no attribution to this quote, but I think it's something Lord Silimar would have said. These quotes don't involve the Iron Lords directly, but they're they were there. The wall building was uh the fulfillment of a dream, a new reason of hope, and that's why these quotes are here. And I I, I think that's a uh, a logical conclusion to draw. Uh, in the quest step, talk to Zavala. Very specific. The wall. <laughs> it keeps the dream of the city intact. On the battlefield, the defender is the wall. And her allies stand behind her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, talk to Zavala, a different one. Uh, there is no doctrine but defense. If the city is to stand, every response must be measured. Every attack calculated. Every blo- body block followed by a devastating finale. Uh, if the city is to survive, it must be unquestioned. The walls must stand, no matter the cost. Zavala. And uh, that brings us into... The Battle of Six Fronts. Six Fronts. The big one. Big one. Uh, so who, who wants to work their way through uh, this little section here? Black, do you want to take this one? Absolutely. Yeah, just just, right just the Iron Banner. Go go th- go through all these. Only the strong are welcome here. That was from Lord Saladin Forge, hero of the Twilight Gap. The Lords of Iron, ancient warriors from the city's founding, have no time for mollycoddling. Great word. The city remembers Felwinter and Yolder, <laughs> Scory and Timur, Radagast and Gellion and the others for their invincible patrols during Six Fronts and the wall building. Seeing as the, the, the Iron Lords were there around during the wall building, they were a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Defender's Mark. At Six Fronts, defending the wall was not enough. Titans had to become a wall. That's followed up by the Mark of Lost Charge. A zealous few sneer at the legend of Six Fronts. Our invincible defense was a waste, they say. We should have charged. That's then followed by Mark of the Chain, which reads as... Even at six fronts, the city's darkest hour. Some titans broke orders, but the chain prevailed, which I do believe might be a reference to, uh, to, to, is, is that Zavala and, uh, and, and Lord Shax in that? Uh, or, or was Shax's, uh, breaking orders done during the Battle of Twilight Gap? That was Shax's, Shax's, uh, Twilight breaking Gap. orders were done at, was done at Twilight Gap. Uh, I think it was the Order of Firebreak that they didn't, ah, they you're didn't, right. yeah. They, I, I don't know if it would be considered they broke orders, but their, their agenda was to fight back, but, uh, not just to defend, not just to defend. But I think that was, that right. came after they, like, after the initial, attack was over fire break was like and now is our chance like it wasn't just okay they're sending wave after wave let's just leave mm-hmm. and go start attacking they were just like when they had the opportunity we've uh, repelled them now let's finish it yeah exactly but uh you'll see going. that in the upcoming mark of the sortie ah yeah next we've got mark of the six fronts 
Four orders of titans held six approaches in the first great battle around the last city, and not one front broke, which is then, of course, followed by Mark of the Sortie. At six fronts, two firebreak commanders led a sortie beyond the walls. They reclaimed five miles of scorched land from the fallen. After that, we've got the Mark of Unity. The six fronts, perhaps the most recognizable element used in titan marks, memorializes a mighty stand. We've got the description from the newer Iron Camelot Helm. Forged in remembrance of Silimar, he who was the last city's first wall. And then a little note at the side saying that when they speak of the defenders forming the wall, I think of Lord Silimar. And I think that's, uh, that that's very important there because Silimar was all about building sort of a tower of defense, a tower, a, a home spot, and having that torn down, rebuilt stronger, torn down and rebuilt stronger. And as we, uh, we, we talked about a bit before, that was sort of the foundation for the idea of what the last city would become and really the tower itself. Um, right. just want to butt in here for a second. Um, the days of iron armor that Titans can receive is the same armor uh, that shows up on Lord Silmar's statue. So I think it's fair to say that he was a Titan. Oh. And I think we can almost make the inference that he might have been a Defender Titan. Based on all the, 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 the talk of defense and building, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. All right, next up we've got Silmar's Iron Sash. Warder fist, you cannot be broken. And I'm sorry, but I have to push my agenda against what Mike just said there. Uh, I really, <laughs> it really irks me when someone says this character is this subclass. Why does everyone assume that a character is a singular subclass? Cade has talked extensively about Night Stalker. He has talked about how his flux grenades uh, didn't go off, how he stole mm -hmm. the invisibility tech, but he also talks about gunslingers and the crucible. He, the, well, Everybody, in my opinion... <laughs> hold on, hold Everybody on. has the ability to become any subclass, with a few exceptions, as Night Stalker is for the elite hunter. Sunbreaker was a mercenary group not seen in the city, so they weren't around. And Stormcaller is such a dangerous practice that it was not taught to all warlocks. But Me. for the primary two, it is very interchangeable. And this, uh, similar as Iron Sash, Ward or Fist of Panic, you cannot be broken. So, just wanted to say that. And uh, Black Link, if you would please continue. <laughs> not a problem. Next up is the Memory of Silmar. Come. Is there no one who can stand against the Iron Wall? Which is a quote by Lord Silmar himself. Then we've got a quote from the Manganel Type 2. It's a piece of Titan armor, I do believe. Yeah, it's, it's If the, the terrain... Is it the new... Yeah, the new uh, Rise of Iron Armor. Mm. If the terrain does not suit your purposes, <clears throat> reshape it. Another Silmar quote. And finally, we've got a quote from the Proud Spire, which is the new uh, Iron Banner shotgun. Forged in honor of Silmar. He who let his mighty deeds speak for themselves. Silmar sounds go. like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, I, sure I could hang with him. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> his, he's an alright titan. His and, helmet looks like that from the uh, um, the Dovahkiin helmet from uh, Skyrim, so he's Skyrim. already got some iconic helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool looking. <laughs> okay. Now, these are this is the this was the rise of the Iron Lords. How 
they came in during the dark times and they really fought to make the great times of the city. And we all know they aren't around today. They aren't continuing to do great deeds. They aren't saving the world. They aren't repelling the darkness. Um, they made a push to attempt to recreate the Golden Age. And that was their uh, fatal flaw. <clears throat> they went after Siva. The Rise of Iron opening cinematic. Uh, or this is from the Rise of Iron opening cinematic. Some know the legend, but only one truly knows how the Iron Lords died their final deaths. That was something you had to be there for, to witness, to remember, to know even heroes can die. And survival is not always a victory. Lord Saladin. And from the card, uh, Lord Teemer. Teemer's storm trance tears through a gang of dregs as Felwinter stumbles through the shifting sands beneath, behind him. Miles inland of what remains of the Arabian shores. Where are you taking me? Felwinter rushes to Teemer's side. His, side. <clears throat> his eyes jumping focus, anticipating another attack. You seem far too obsessed with these war mines. Teemer stops and stares into the horizon as if smelling something. Not danger, discovery. He draws his fellow Iron Lord close. Tell me, Felwinter, he whispers. What does the word seraph mean to you? Teemer directs Felwinter's eyes toward the eastern, eastern horizon, where a building crowned with the initials CB is now in view. We all have creators, human, exo, warminds, even those poor awoken. Some are just easier to find. And... I, I'm sorry that I gotta do this again. Seraph. Uh, Seraph, I'm sure a lot of the original, uh, like, year one beta fans are jumping at it. Uh, the seven Seraphs. The, the seven Seraphs. The seven Seraphs have been completely devoid of the game, uh, except for a few words of, a few sightings of the word Seraph. Uh, Seraph and Vault and the, uh, the Warmind. Uh, but most importantly... It was from the Cosmodrome ride-along where they asked uh, who decided where Rasputin went, and they, they said it was the Seven Seraphs. So it's, the question becomes, did the Seven Seraphs, or the question became, did the Seven Seraphs build the Iron Lord, or the Warmines, not the Iron Lords, uh, the Warmines, or did they, were they just such influential people that they had the decision of where they would go. And this heavily implies, in my opinion, that the Seven Seraphs actually did build the War Mines. Uh, so to everyone saying, like, with every new expansion, maybe we'll finally get the Seven Seraphs faction, like, please, like, <laughs> it got reworked. That's not what it is anymore. Trials of Osiris is not an Osiris faction. Well, it is sort of an Osiris faction, but it's not an Osiris faction, but you, you can see how that works. Uh, it got changed. You know, that's what happens. It it grew. Uh, I just wanted to say that really quick. And obviously, the CB is Clovis Bray. Uh, for anyone who just glazed over the fact because it wasn't explicitly said, uh, Felwinter, even devoid of number, is a war. Uh, yeah, is a warlock. Uh, is is an EXO. <laughs> uh, yep. Then uh, to just to continue. The Vostok Observatory. 
The brochure has suffered extensive water damage, but there is a map of the region with a red circle and a note. Teamer, your replication complex, Fellwinter. So, uh, Fellwinter and Teamer, they're they're really they're really going after it here. <laughs> really, really looking for it. They they really think they know all the answers, and. Um, the next um, section that I want to draw your eyes to is um, the Iron Temple cinematic. Um, that uh, is a conversation between Ghost and uh, Lord Saladin. He goes, When the Ghost first found us, those who were chosen were blessed with power but not wisdom. The Iron Lords came together in search of a solution to mankind's struggles. Instead, we found Siva. We dreamt of Siva. To, uh, we dreamt of using Siva to build starships, colonies. We would become what the Traveler always believed we could be. And Ghost says, but something happened. Siva had been lost to time. When Timur attracted to the Cosmodrome, we thought our quest was finally over. Siva would be ours for the taking. And, of course, this is the misconception. Uh, of course, this points to the common misconception that the Iron Lords went to the Replication Chamber to destroy it. Uh, that's actually not correct. They went to claim it in the first place before Yolder finally yes decision to destroy it. Um, and then... So the um, hundreds of Iron Lords descended into the Plague Lands attempting to take Siva for their own. Um, but, as we all know, Rasputin responded. Um, oh, wait. We, oh, I'm going too far. Whoop, I'm too far ahead. My apologies. Um, <laughs> go back a little bit. Uh, this section is titled uh, Madness. Um, and this is from Ghost Fragment, The Dark Age, number three. From the journals of Lord Colovance. What does one do when one's master has gone mad? And um, BC notes that this the one who has gone mad is Teemer, the first mad warlock. Um, I admired the man for so long, poured years of study into his leads, but now he has grown incapable of focus. I have followed his latest misses of Siva, and it is flooded with mania. Whatever he thinks this Clovis Beret might hold would make you believe that they were on the only entity of any technical know-how, that they owned every piece of that tarnished golden age. I write this because I fear none of the others uh, excuse me, because none of the others knows or senses it. He has been so thorough, so right until now. Something snapped, infected him, turning him against his own sense of logic and reason. Um BC notes about the infected him portion. Personally, I don't think anyone actually did, but his own obsessions can turn him to madness. And here I am, left behind to tend the fires in the ironwood tree in this budding city, while everyone rushes at the promise of another wonder from yesterday. But I ask you, traveler, did you cleanse us of these technological disasters to prove we had gone astray? The light you raised to us with points with us... Uh, the light you raised us with points far away from the trappings of a processed earth to a nebulous power far beyond the stars. Had we done wrong, and this is how you hope to correct us, we, the light, lead the way? It must be, but even your shattered hull seems like a designed system. Lord Teemer has notes upon notes on your runes. Perhaps that, that is where his madness began. I wonder how long it will be until he thinks you were made by Clovis Bray. So, Teemer in um, 
search of SIVA and search of these lost technologies of the golden age has maybe become a little too obsessed with finding the truth of the, um, the things that he's researched. Sort of like uh, both Toland and Osiris with their muses as well. And I find the irony of this story a bit saddened because Colavance, being a Timur's student, he sees his master and he feels as if his master is going mad, searching for this mythical Clovis Bray because he thinks it's going to have all the answers. And ironically enough, Clovis Bray is exactly where our guardians go to find the location of the replication factory and basically all the information we needed to shut that down and stop Siva. Yeah, so his madness was actually accurate correct <laughs> for once yeah. so uh they they do make um they do make the attempt at the replication chamber and then we have the iron temple cinematic where uh, lord saladin is talking to us about it uh, it comes back to that um Rasputin responded more than a hundred iron lords entered the plague lands in the end only nine reached the replication chamber and then from the Iron Tomb uh, transcript, Lord Saladin is speaking. Only a few of us reached the replication complex. The worst of Rasputin's defenses had already blanketed this entire area. Frames, constructs, some things I haven't seen before, nor since. They felt no pain, no fear. And then uh, later on, his presence was almost physical. I think he was trying to communicate, but we did not understand. So uh, that brings us into the replication chamber. Uh, the last cinematic here, <clears throat> Iron Temple cinematic. Uh, but since we were the chosen, since we were chosen by the traveler, and our cause was just, we were just certain the day would be ours until Siva took control. Um, Lord Saladin, it infected our our weapons, our armor. The corruption puppeted ag us against one another. In the end, Yolder sealed the chamber with the Iron Lords inside, rather than let Siva escape. A battle was won. Heroes died, and our mistakes stayed. <clears throat> then we get into the uh, the dormant Siva Iron Lord cards. Uh, there's a lot of these, so I don't know if we want to read every single one of these. Um, well, I mean, I think we can we can just. Uh, go through them really quick if we just read the the actual card we don't need to read the memories the little memory bit um, the uh, like Siva memory you dash that yeah. sort of thing yeah okay. just just read it uh what is what is uh go we'll take turns uh, so black why don't you get us started absolutely the struggle fighting my brother fighting myself the Siva consume enhance replicate a tendril reaches out, crushes my ghost. I turn to face it. My boots slide in snow thick with blood. If I am gone, then why am I still here? Then, uh, Mike? Sure. Um, this is Iron Lords 2.1. <laughs> Colavance died by the tanker. Dozens of frame, hundreds more. He cut them down until he ran out of bullets. Then he smashed them, consume, enhance, enhance, replicate. It was not enough. The same thing that Colavance, that killed Colavance killed me. My axe's flames are almost dead. Even its fire requires fuel. I need an urn, but the Siva has already taken them. The tendrils seek out to wrap around them and then consume, enhance, replicate. 
More mites swarm out to feed on anything they can touch. The SIVA learns from what it consumes. Then we've got Iron Lords 2.3. Ash Raven's cutting her way toward the bunker. Says we should meet her there. She's got an idea. Thinks we can hole up in there. Maybe get those guns working. Draw off enough of the enemy to give Yolda's group a shot. Consume, enhance, replicate. It's a bad idea, but it's the best bad idea we have. Banalis always said she doesn't mind dying, because it doesn't last. A few seconds and then the light comes, bright and warm, and she rises again. Get up, Finala. Please get up. We should have been more careful. Should have never contacted the Warmind. Trying to help. Trying to rebuild. Thought, consume, enhance, replicate was the key. Feels like we've been fighting for days, weeks, but we're close. Once we get to the replicator, we consume, enhance, replicate. Go. I'll hold them off. Fellwinter tried to communicate with the Warmind, called it Rasputin, consume, enhance, replicate, said he could make it understand, tell it we meant no harm. Rasputin didn't answer with words. Uh, whoops, sorry, hold on. Um, what, which card were we on? My apologies, I was looking at a different uh, card. 2.7. <laughs> My apologies. I stood at the edge of the Lord's watch and watched the enemy. Consume, enhance, replicate. Siva curled and thrashed, creating tendrils that lashed out at us. It formed shapes that could grapple us and angry swarms that buzzed around us before breaking apart to warm the way into every chink of our armor. Warlords, I know how to... Warlords, I know how to fight. This is consume, enhance, replicate. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want... Consume, enhance, replicate. Ghost. Coast, where are you? This is not my end. I've come too far to die here. I've let one unknown force make me. Now, consume, enhance, replicate. Now, um, the first eight that we read are Siva Memory, question mark, question mark, uh, 0312 to 0316, or 0308 to 0316. But the last one is 0409. So a lot of time has gone from the the second to last to the last. And yeah. uh, what specifically happens, uh, we don't know. It's entire spin foil... Um, territory it it really seems like siva has sort of taken over one of the lords but that's not exactly how it works it it could be uh it could it, it could be fell winter if if he if he's an since he's an exo it could have worked into him and it could be he is the uh or actually no it couldn't be because it's uh doesn't it say? Yeah, Fellwinter tried. So maybe if there was another XO and the team, which is very likely, uh, this, this is their uh, encounter. But uh, time will tell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that that wraps up the uh, the Iron Lord uh, Iron Lord history from their early days fighting the Warlords to their demise in the SIVA uh, replication chamber. 
And uh, now we got some fan questions that we uh, we really wanted to make sure that we had time for. So cool stuff. Yeah, we uh, each of us want to pick one and then answer it like that. Yeah, if that's what you want to do. Right. Black, do you want to pick one up? Go th- go in order, but whatever. Well, I mean, we don't uh, just pick out the ones that we want. Then. Black, you want to take one? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. This one's from Danky Kang at Woolman. After talk of Rasputin watching slash testing us, is it possible the stranger is some sort of envoy from future Rasputin? Yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen that theory pop up a couple of times. Like people um, people think that. Uh, way back in Destiny 1.0 that the person the stranger was talking to might have been Rasputin holding down the ship uh, against whatever force was encroaching upon them. I don't know if we have enough information to really point towards that sort of solution. She's definitely, she's definitely, I, I do believe a time traveler. Yeah. But, it's, um, it, I don't want to, I don't want to say no to that outright, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's just, nope. It's possible. <laughs> Hold on, let's let's get out the Rasputin the card real quick. I, I think it was Rasputin four or five, four. Uh, four where someone is talking to Rasputin, and it really looks like it's her talking to Rasputin. And Rasputin says, "How do you step forward and back? Uh, how do you step across?" Talking about how do you step forward and backward in time? How do you step across mm-hmm. onto a different timeline? So it could be that it's that. Um, Oh, what's, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna confirm it really quick. It's um. Uh, I do not obey. My will is pure. I will win. The life of people of entire planets has no importance in relation to the general development. Help me be victorious. Tell me your secret. Tell me how to step. So, I, I, it's very possible, almost likely, that he's speaking to the exo stranger at this point. And he's asking him, asking her, um, exactly. Excuse me. He's asking her um, to give him the knowledge of how to time travel. Um, so the very fact that he doesn't know this and that she does just tells me that I don't think she serves him in any capacity. Uh, she perhaps has spoken to him. Uh, has spoken to him, but I don't know if they're on the same side. I don't believe that she's a uh, that she is a future envoy of from Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't I can't find the I can't find the exact term. Um, but it's it. What I was going to say is that it might actually be this this concept of. Rasputin, because we have a lot of information suggesting that Rasputin um, cr- uh, controlled the Exo. <clears throat> yes. And the Exo Stranger does not walk in light, so she's not a guardian. She's just a, a, an Exo. So it's possible ex- that Rasputin is uh, in, in controlling her. So the, the thing is, it's like the universe... <laughs> And uh, it's 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 sad. It's probably the easiest way to to really relate this. There's the episode of Family Guy where Stewie uh, <laughs> used his time travel uh, device and it destroyed the universe. But then he destroyed the time travel device to create the universe. So it's this loop where the universe created Stewie 
so that Stewie could create the universe, so that the universe could create Stewie. And it just spins in this circle of, of like creation like that. And it might be a similar concept where Rasputin created the Exo Stranger in a future point to go back in time to teach Rasputin to time travel so that the future Rasputin could create the Exo Stranger to go back in time to teach. And it creates this loop where the Exo Stranger is teaching Rasputin so that Rasputin can make the Exo Stranger so that the Exo Stranger can teach Rasputin so that, and you know, it just, it will never end. Infinite causality loop. That's what it's called. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I see what you're getting at, but I disagree with that that sentiment. But of course, we don't know too too much. The time tra- theories of time travel and destiny are complex, and I'm not a quantum physicist, so I don't understand much of it. But um, well, who knows? I'm just saying. It, I'm not saying that's definitely what it is. We we do not have any definitive answers on these uh, types of um, questions. It's just an interesting way to think. That's that's really what this podcast is all about. It's just opening new avenues of thinking. Exactly. Uh, so, Mike, you want to take? One? Yeah, there's there's one that uh, came in from Purple Mexican that uh, Purple Mexican on Twitter that I do want to uh, uh, just go over again. He he asks. Um, how uh, badass is Fellwinter? Uh, he knows how to do shoulder charge. Um, <laughs> he is not a titan. Fellwinter is not a titan. Uh, we got this question actually a few times from a few different people. Fellwinter is not a titan. He is a warlock. Is he a titan? Primarily. He is not a titan. Okay. <laughs> but Fellwinter is a primarily is he a titan? walker. Voidwalker Warlock. He's primarily a Voidwalker and is a Warlock. Um, let me see if I can get the specific line. I believe... Uh, I think it mentions him blinking, doesn't it? Yes, it mentions him embracing the Void as well. There's um, there's another card where it says uh, he used a bomb, a capital B bomb, uh, to just, mm-hmm. to just uh, wipe out the enemy, suggesting Nova Bomb. It's very, very. There's numerous things suggesting uh, void lock. It's. I think it's uh, Lady Scory. Yes, Fellow Winter finishes off the South group with a bomb. Everything else is candy. Weird. So not only does he kill them, but he turns them into candy. Like that's exactly. that's void lock all over. I was about to say <laughs> that sounds like warlock magic. Yeah. Yes. So. Tit- Titans can't do that. <laughs> We'll get more into uh, my favorite Iron Lord uh, either next week or the week after, whenever it happens to be. But do, I do want to just put that out there now. Phil Winter is a warlock, not a titan. So it is pretty cool, though. He did blink into a flying knee on Kite. Yes, that's I think he the did move do that. Yes. We're talking yes. about. and that's 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 exactly what it is. Uh, I'd a, like to be able a to blink do that. into a flying <laughs> knee is not shoulder charge. That's he says how Yolder taught him that trick. All Yolder taught him was that knees are hard. <laughs> if if I as a hunter go up and start punching things, I'm not I'm not doing force barrier. I'm not doing sunstrike. I'm not I'm not doing uh uh shock storm fist. Storm fist. Thank you. I was gonna say shock punch. Uh, shock punch. <laughs> I'm not doing storm fist. I'm just going up and punching shit. You know, it's it's not the same. Shoulder charge is an 
is a maneuver using his light. He's propelling himself forward with his light specifically as a shoulder charge. You know, it's not... It's just not the same. It's not, it's not, just because it's similar, it is not the same. Like, I, I can throw sand out of my pocket and say it. I'm, I'm a warlock all I want, <laughs> but I'm not a warlock. There you pocket go. sand. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> yeah. King of the Hill. Okay. Uh, so I will pick one now. Uh, from Manil. I, I have no idea how to say his name, but he has a pumpkin in Ma- his name. Manil. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, what do Iron Banner weapon names mean? Felwinter's Lie, Ash Raven's Flight, etc. I feel like they're very telling. Uh, I this is this is I I I really wanted to pick this one because I sort of have an issue with um people thinking that it means anything, like. Obviously, there is some depth, but people look at it like it's a deep well, and I don't think it's a deep well of information. I remember mm-hmm. all throughout year one and two, the people were saying, Felwinter's lie. Felwinter turned on the Iron Lords and started killing them, and that's why the Iron Lords are dead today. It's like, where did you get that from one word? Lie made you think that there was <laughs> a civil war amongst them? Like, it was just, it's just too much. It's like, there there were other things, of course, that came in year two that suggested a civil war, but now we know it wasn't an Iron Lord civil war. It was a warlord Iron Lord. But uh, I don't think all the weapons can really be said to go too deep. In the case of Felwinter's lie, uh, he he might have lied about something. We we know he, he gazed into the void. He could have seen more. Maybe his lie was that he actually believed Rasputin would help them. Like he actually, maybe maybe he was he was um, more cocky, more uh, hubris, uh, blinded. And when they went to go into the replication chamber, he instead of being sensible and thinking Rasputin might not like this, he said, "This is gonna go great, guys." And they all said, "Okay." <laughs> And they went in. Um, <clears throat> Redagast's fury, though, especially is a is a very answerable one. When you do get his artifact, Tyra Karn said, "Radagast's fury is blah 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 blah." Uh, it blinded him in certain ways and some other nonsense. I don't I don't listen to her personally. Uh, I, I think that each of the each of the uh, fellow winters lie, Colavance's duty, whatever it happens to be. Um, it's it was forged in the honor of a specific event of some kind. Like mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. Winters lie. He he lied to a warlord about the Iron Lord's true intentions and then betrayed him for whatever it happens to be. That's a good um, point. Um, so it could be forged in honor of a great victory for the Iron Lords. So that that's always been my opinion on the uh, one word nouns that are after each of these uh, at the end of each of mm-hmm. these weapons. Yeah, I think that. Um, do you oh. have any other questions that you want to go over? Uh, let's just look at these really quick. Uh, did Felwinter as an accident affect the I guess what Steve's actions are manipulated? 
I don't, uh, Manal, I, I do see your other other question, and we will be getting that to that very soon. Who was Ephrodite over the last few centuries? We will ha- be having a full episode on Ephrodite uh, and the other Iron Lords and Ladies in a uh, future podcast. Um, at Fire Century asks, uh, was the tale of the hunter and warlock between Iron Lords, hence the Hunter Iron Banner artifact being the Amkara scale? Uh, this is Ghost Fragment, I want to say Warlock, not Warlock 2, but maybe Warlock 2, uh, where a warlock is being very cocky in front of a hunter and says how the hunter could never kill a, an Amkara, and the hunter goes out and does it. Uh, that's one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the Amkara scale uh, reads, Ha, that warlock said I couldn't do it, and obviously it's a hunter saying, the hunter from the card going out and killing the Amkara. Yeah. Uh, this artifact also dropped, I'm pretty sure, also dropped uh, from uh, the Court of Oryx. I don't think it, where it drops is is too heavily associated with uh, the importance of it, which is also shown as the Fist of Nine Moons, which is the same glove as Dietrich's uh, fist. They drop from very distinctly different areas. I, I, I think it's... It's sort of just reusing assets, and it's a little bit lame. Mm-hmm. And it really did overlook because the other two artifacts were Radagast's Blade and uh, Scory's Dirge, I think it was called, the little ring uh, for the Warlocks and the Titans. And we had Ephrodite's Eye for the Hunters, but for some reason the Amkara scale was thrown in there instead. It's it just It really just seemed like... Um, Misplacement, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one I don't understand. Uh, I just want to mention it. Uh, Horde gameplay at Pete GDL twenty three. I I can't understand what your question is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was having the same problems. Um, I um one one that I actually did want to point out though at rosa raza five uh why doesn't scory show up in any of the murals during the that one roi cutscene? no idea that's an amazing yeah. find though that's very observant of you and i just really wanted to point that out uh the murals also disappear after that cutscene. i i went to actually look for them thinking they would be there just not like glowing and they're not even there they're just there's empty spaces which annoyed me and uh, just to finish it off, uh, Jared B., uh, the guest who uh, came on when I was sick and I wasn't there, uh, when did the six coyotes scout the Cosmodrome? Yes. <laughs> I'd imagine that was during the, the same time that the Iron Lords and, say, Rezalazir yeah. and the Risen were out scouting the lands and, uh, and, and, and helping refugees move to what would become the city. I'm going to say that's during the Dark Age, but not quite. Again, this depends on who you ask. Uh, the City Age began with this, this, or this. But um, mm-hmm. I would say that's not quite um, before we get to – it's not quite before we get to Siva. It's a little bit before then, before Felwinter and Teemer uh, take – excuse me – take a very specific interest in um, the Cosmodrome for Siva. Okay. Now – Before, before, yes, uh, I have one last thing. 
and I want to grab the exact quote. And of course, uh, it's, it's my own fault. I meant to grab a screenshot of it, but I was just too excited with, uh, <clears throat> with Iron Banner going on. I was just too excited. I was enjoying it too much to actually be responsible and take screenshots like, you know, someone like me should. Uh, so it's not going to be a perfect quote. And I really hope we get it again next month so I can get the perfect quote. But from the Dragon of Light <clears throat> quest, the Iron Banner quest, one of these steps is a quote from Shiro 4. And he's sort of talking about how he doesn't really like Ephrodite. How uh, he calls her and the people she was with out on the edges of the, uh, the system bug huggers. Now, and I, I'll find a way to bring them into every podcast, I'm sure. Uh, the Elixni, <laughs> the Elixni are very, very closely related to insects. Uh, insect itself is a slur for Elixni. Uh, I think it's in the Varix card uh, itself. He says, like, we hear what you call us, insect, fallen. Like, these are all rude words to call them. So, Shiro is calling uh, Ephrodite a bug hugger, which immediately raises a flag for me, saying, like, is she an Elixni hugger? Is that what it is? Or is there something else out there? And then immediately after I see that, Ephrodite says, as I'm running up to her, perhaps there's hope for the fallen yet. So you might be onto something there. Like I said, way earlier, Varix is going to go a, and everyone's going to forgive him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we do already have some fallen uh, that were loyal to the queen at least for a time, yeah. and uh, could be happening. I I don't want to go all off into it. I wanted to keep it very Iron Lord centric. <laughs> I do have a bigger theory that I've shared a few times with uh, in public areas uh, about what will happen, and we'll talk about it on another episode because we're going to be talking about Axis uh, hopefully soon, mm-hmm. and that'll be the perfect time to talk about it. But Archon Prime, Archon Prime. Archon Prime. Uh, so yeah, I just, I just, I just wanted to point it out there. Ephrodite, to bug hugger. Uh, okay, <laughs> we'll get into that to another episode. How about that? Yeah, we're uh, on two hours here. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a good good place to stop. We we had we had a good time. Link, we uh, we appreciate you coming on here today. Uh, where can uh, everyone find you on uh, Twitter and the social medias? Well, first off, absolutely. This has been great. I'm glad I can actually sit back and talk lore with other people <laughs> uh, for for a good amount of time. Usually, it's it's I, I try to talk lore, and everybody's like, "Shut up, TBL." It's enough of that. <laughs> but you can, of course, find me on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, all at the Black Link. Uh, I do produce content for Planet Destiny, as some of the people here do as well, <laughs> and uh, I do host streams on the Planet Destiny Twitch page on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday mornings. So, so that's where I am. Yeah, I'll try to be there tomorrow morning if I can wake up that early. 
Don't lose sleep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that interesting. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give yourself some credit. How did you get your link to be black? My, point, my links are always blue. I, 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 had to, I had to roll them around on the ground for a while, mm-hmm. and then I had to hit them with a, uh, a shatter Nova bomb, but I had to get all three bombs mm-hmm. on a single point. Mm. Took a while. I'd imagine. <laughs> that sounds tricky. Well, it has it absolutely has been a pleasure having you on, and um, uh, Guardian is actually a personal friend of mine. I can't I can't wait to hear him freak out about you, um, just because you read it so well. You really did. <laughs> you you reading his story, and just again on the topic of stories, send in your spooky stories. We got a few. We got one in the email already. I wrote a couple. I think Beta wanted to write one. Mike, you should write one. Like. I'm you on know, the process. Of everybody, it. everybody, just write one. If it's a good one, we'll 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 read it. Like I think uh, Mylan might be writing one. I think he said that. Oh boy! That. Yeah, I, 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 I told him to. I told him. I was like, "Yo, write a story. <laughs> like write your well, Australian horror stories." <laughs> <laughs> I already feel bad for Mylan if he actually happens to listen to this. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this. So, Swine, where can we? Uh, where can we find you on the social medias? I'm on Twitter uh, at Anonpig, A N O N P I G. It's it's pretty much the only place I am. I do a lot of tweeting, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> well, that was very descriptive. Thank you, sir. Yeah. What about you, though? And as and as always, you can find me Mythos Mike on uh, Twitter, or you can find me on. Uh, Twitch or planetdestiny.com as uh, Mike S from Planet Destiny. Hmm. <laughs> as corny as that sounds, I know. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for joining us for this incredibly long episode. We're sorry. We, we got to gotta fall in love with the voice of our guest here. We needed to keep him on for as long as possible. So, <laughs> well, I mean, this is happy to be This here. is why we didn't dissect every Iron Lord individually. We'd have been here for four hours. <laughs> it would have been longer from four hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the okay. we'll do this later. <laughs> so everyone again, thank you for joining us and we'll be back again next week with more information about our beloved Iron Lords. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>